Previously on AFTN. Handball in the box. And the commentators are always like, oh, they're looking to see if a hand was in a, an unnatural position. But when players have their arms behind their back, leaning forward so that the ball smacks them in the face, that's not exactly a natural position either. But it was for a handball. <laughs> this would be natural for Mike. <laughs> yeah, it would be. I'd be covering my nuts more in my face. <laughs> Everybody in Whitecaps world, welcome. It's been a week. We had a uh, we've had a couple weeks off. The Whitecaps have had a couple weeks off, but we're back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. My name is Steve Pander, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. Uh Michael McCall is still on assignment, so he won't be joining us this week. It'll be just the two of us. But like I said, you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting live from CITR FM studios at the University of British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam Territory. If you're listening to the podcast, this is episode 347. So, uh, Zach, uh, three weeks off for the Whitecaps. It seems like it was maybe three <laughs> three weeks and three, 30 minutes uh, because the first 30 minutes knew, didn't go too well. I knew you were going to say something like yeah. that. A difficult, difficult start for them in that game. But th- the, the time off, uh, it seemed, uh, I mean... It seemed as they were going through it, and even uh, got to take in some training this week. It seemed like it was it was good for them. Uh, it's, there was some good team morale boosting. I don't know if you saw on the socials. A bunch of them looked like they went to Kelowna or New yeah, Nevada like they whatever. took a trip together somewhere. Yeah, yeah. With, with spouses and and uh, you know did some team building and that kind of stuff. Um, so you know, hopefully there were some you know positives uh, on that side of the thing. But you're, it's, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to come back to a game against. A team that is lower than you in the standings, and that you should, and you're at home, and you should beat them, and 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 you fall at that first hurdle after a break, which you and I are <laughs> often are fond of remembering. Yeah, the Montreal game, the Montreal game <laughs> after the World Cup break in like 2014, I think it was. This was definitely not that kind of game. No, this no. was more entertaining than that. Same result, uh, same different result. type of game. Yeah, different type of game. Um, uh, obviously, like, but and it was a little bit different too because both teams there were coming off breaks, whereas here. Uh, Colorado had played in the U.S. Open. They were eliminated in the U.S. Open <laughs> Cup, so but they got a game in, right? right. So they weren't totally out of uh, practice or whatever you want to say, or rusty as the uh, Whitecaps were. Clearly, that first thirty I th- minutes. I think the nice way to say it, say it is about for Colorado, Steve, is that they didn't they they didn't want any fixture congestions. Yeah, <laughs> they 
They took a. They, they, they bowed out. Of the <laughs> Who did they lose to? They lost to a minnow, right? I can't even remember. Uh, but somebody, lost. someone they shouldn't have lost. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a, a teams, uh, bl- uh, another team that uh, defeated a minnow this year, uh, this week, uh, or today actually. Um, Canadian national team. We'll talk about them later. And the women's team are obviously gearing up for the Netherlands. Uh, sorry, they they lost to the Netherlands, but they're gearing up for Sweden. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But first of all, we'll talk about the Whitecaps. They fought back. From a, they gave up two goals. They basically spotted Colorado two goals. Came back. Clawed, uh, I wouldn't even say clawed back because they actually dominated uh, after they gave up those two goals. And they but they got that two two draw. Considering five players, five key players away, down by two goals, is this a good result or is still a disappointing one? Because the way they played in the second half, you you think they should have been out, but the way they played in that first thirty minutes, they could have been down three or four nil. Especially if Jake Nowitzki didn't clear that ball off the line. Yeah. They lost to New, New Mexico United. Yeah. No, I think I think when you talk about this game, is it was it you know, a, a point one or was it, you know, two points dropped? Uh you know, was it a how do you look at it? I think MDS I think said after the after the game basically that the, he felt that the way that they played in the game as a whole, that they deserved the three points. Yeah, we're gonna hear from him in a bit. Yeah. which which I understand, you know, why he's saying that, and I understand how he sees that from the game as a whole. But you you can't open the way they did, and you know, expect to take three points from games like that. Yeah, uh, it, it, I agree with that. Um, I the, it was just I I think it was more it was a little bit the rustiness, but also yet Andy Rose in a position where he wasn't in before, where he was a you know a back four instead of a back five. He'd played center back as a back five. It seemed he was okay that. But the back four obviously didn't work, and just I think it was just laziness, like the especially that first goal. Well, let's talk about the first goal itself. Mm. That Diego Rubio, obviously uh, Zach McMath made a big save off uh, um, uh, Kai Kamara early on, where Kai was able to get around Irise. But then uh, on the ensuing corner, Ru- Rubio, I don't know if Rubio got it or he even got a touch to it, but they gave it to him. It basically went right through. Uh, it was delivered by Nico Mosquita. Went right through the box. There were shouts that Arise might have got fouled on that play. Uh, uh, that's what the, uh, the Whitecaps players were saying. Uh, but the uh, even with that, it just bounced through everybody and it got in the net. Like, is that horrible defending or just lucky lucky break for the Rapids? I think it was. Well, it, it was an okay ball to the near post to the first post by by Nico, but. It looked like that. Yeah, that was that a Rise who went. I think it was a Rise. Yeah, it looked like he was off balance. He was trying to like clear it, but then it, maybe the because he was off balance, the nudge just took him completely down. Yeah, because that. Yeah, I've seen that called before. Where you've, you've a, seen a call defending like, You also over. you can't. I'm not saying he did, but it's definitely not an area or a time where you can feel contact and go down easy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? Like not a spot. It's, it's too too critical. And the near post on a on a on a on a corner like that. And so yeah, I think it was a fair ball. But whatever happened with the Rise was not obviously ideal for the Whitecaps. Yeah. And I know I know uh, I don't know what Zach McMath's normal because we haven't seen him that mu- play that much. But there's a difference of Max Crapo because Max Crapo kind of attacks balls in the air. Zach McMath really didn't attack that one. Um, he, Max would have gone before it bounced and grabbed it or something like that. That's what that's what he's been doing. Since, because he, do you think that had a play in it, or do you think that it was just one of those bounces? Well, we'll talk about it later, but I don't think McMath covered himself in glory in this, no. ma- in this match. Well, he, he kind of uh, 
he he saved himself from being a goat on one of the plays. Right. Yeah. yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. But but uh, I think that's a fair point. That I mean, there there's multiple layers to to not having your starting keeper. Uh, you, you know, the, in this case, yeah, he's attacking the ball. Obviously, his connection and his leadership of his back line is another one, which is maybe a little bit different on a corner like this. But uh, ultimately, I think, you know, the being the good little striker that he <laughs> that he is, and especially clinical against the Whitecaps, uh, Rubio claims the goal at the back post just from like from his you know being tenacious and yeah. and you know not giving up and and getting it done, and so. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're a white cap or you're a white cap fan, you look at it, and as I've as I've read multiple people say, this was this was poor defending. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, then they gave up another goal. Uh, this one again. This one where the, uh, both white cap former white caps played a key role. Um, Nico with the cross into the box. Kai Kamara headed it down, and Andre Shinishiki basically easy tap it for him. But where did you see the problem with that one? That that was another one where it seemed like people were just watching the ball and not really attacking it. Yeah, well, which which you know, the defending again kind of looked looked cut out and looked not in, you know, it looked like they'd been on a three week break, you know, on those plays. Uh, and again, I think this is also where you feel like, like. The, the angles I've watched it from, watch it back from Steve. Like, yeah, I think you like you talk about Crepeau versus um, McMath, and it's like, could he have attacked it more, right? Because it kind of comes across, kind of comes across to um, Shinyaki. How do you say it? Shinyaki. Now, you know, you have Shinyakishi. No, Shinyashiki. Yeah, Shinyashiki. It comes across to Andre, and <laughs> and and it, I mean, it's. It's a it's a nice downward header from from Kai, but it also looks like something that should be either cut out or cleared, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're Colorado, that's how you draw it up, you know, cross cross uh, to the near the back post, header back across goal, and and it being finished off. But from from a Whitecaps perspective, again, the the marking just looked po- po- looked poor. It, it felt like uh, yeah, guys were maybe ball watching almost a little bit and. It was uh, overall. It was a horrendous start to the match for them, and they could have even been. Wor- it could have even been worse because yes. um, Kai Kamara again uh, made a great run, hit the post, and then Nico Mosquito was there at the edge of the box. Luckily for us, Jake Nowitzki was uh, on the line. And obviously, first of all, condolences to him because apparently the reason he missed the game before was because of his grandfather passing away. Yeah, but it, it, he basically saved a goal uh, that. For a defender, that's essentially a goal scored because he saved it from off the line. So uh, big ups to him, but they should have put that game away. Like Nico Mosquito had a lot of net to put that anywhere he wanted, and he and he put it in the wrong spot because Jake was right there to clear it off. Yeah, you de- you definitely when there's defenders back there, you want to get it you want to get it up more. Don't make that your clip for the next next <laughs> show. Um, no, you, I mean you need to raise the ball. You need to put it in the roof of that on, on a on a on a play like that. But it, all credit to Jake for his tenacity and his, um, you know, not giving up on that. Yeah, because that I, I mean, in in some senses, that's like one of the turning points in that. It was, for, yeah, for I think so. And it kind of got them going. Although we talked about it before, McMath kind of there was a, a cross slash shot. It was like one of those special YP leash kind of uh, <laughs> scenarios. Where it looked like a, a cross, but it ended up being a shot. Um, but he he he, th- he was trying to tip it over, but I don't think he got his full extended on it, and it went right behind him. Luckily, he realized it right away and, and cleared it off the line and got it before it went over, because that could have been a big turning point as well. But the big thing was the the, the handball 
uh, uh, shout out by Venuto's shot. You could see the arm going backwards. Now, it's hard to tell, and this is where it wasn't clear and obvious probably, and that's why it wasn't reviewed, that it was um, where there was it in a natural position because the, there was no uh, camera angle to show where his hand was actually. All you saw was the hand violently going backwards. It, we, he didn't move his hand. That, that was clearly in contact with the ball. But I guarantee you, and we'll talk about this later, if this is a Women's World Cup game, <laughs> that's a handball for sure. And that would have been a penalty. Yeah. But uh, but now, obviously, it's 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 a different rules. Thinking about it in that light, see, I think, yeah, you're right. Because the MLS is not going by the new rules exactly. at this point. They're still well, going by well, the old rules. Well, that's what I was going to say, Steve. Yeah. Is this, to me, in the... Whether you love love them or loathe them, in the, in the new language for the laws of handball in the box, the, yeah, it, there, it seems pretty... It's supposed to be pretty black and white, right, Steve? Like, it's either... It touches the hand or it doesn't touch the hand. There's less... Uh, uh, there's less interpretation, it feels like. And so, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. In the new laws, it would, would have been given as a penalty. I personally uh, don't think it should have been given. I don't think his hand is in that uh, unnatural position. Um, I know it's not right up next, tug, like, you know, tight against Yeah, it wasn't body, tight. Yeah, exactly. But I, to me, to, to give that as handball, is that that's not what football sh- is about or should be about. Yeah, but get and, used to it because it could have be happening next year in MLS well, and I, everywhere I else. Think they're gonna, I think they're going to – some common sense is going to come. They got it. They're going to maybe augment that a little bit. But So, no, I, pers- I personally don't think it should have been given as a penalty. What, what about you? Do you think it was right? I thought it was uh, – like I said, I'm uh, because I've been watching uh, some Women's World Cup or at least the highlights – that I, I go right there was penalty because it already influenced me that it's been called for so many times. So I thought it might have been, but then I realized it probably wasn't because it, 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 it. But first of all, it wasn't clear and obvious. That's the thing. It wasn't clear. Where, you couldn't tell where his hand was. You, all you could see was the contact, and you really can't call it on that. Yeah. Obviously, there was. Uh, they did get one back. It was this one was I think a clear penalty because he he did shoulder check him, but he also kind of put his feet within Adnan's feet as well, and that's what tripped him up more. Do, do you agree with that? That was a clear penalty. Montero did well to finish it off, but um, definitely a penalty there, right? Yeah, I have no problem. I don't. I mean, Ali had a cracker of a game, I think, again. What, like 31-year-old Ali Adnan, right? That's his, is that his new age? Do we know yet? I don't know what his age is. Oh, did you not hear that? No. Oh, you think it's different? No, did you not hear that? No, I didn't. What oh, was the story? On the Twitter I missed it. I missed it. Yeah. I, I haven't, I can't remember, I don't know when this was, and I haven't read, like I said before on the show, I don't read everything on Twitter. Yeah. But uh, some people have been talking on Twitter that there's a list of something like, I don't know, 20 to 40 <laughs> Iraqi players whose age has been age, altered. Ages are in question with either the Asian Confederation or the Iraqi FA or FIFA or some combination thereof. And, yeah. And Ali Adnan's name is, oh, is, is, really? on, is on the Because <laughs> I think he's listed as being like 25 or something. Something like that, 25, 26. Yeah. The, uh, there was also uh, who? There was that Cuban um, Little League player. Right. That, that 16 year old. 16 year old that was like, playing in a 12, 13 year old. Yeah, like game. the full beard. He's yeah, 12, exactly. Yeah. They now second half started. It wasn't very like it was complete opposite of the first half. Second half, it seemed like everybody calmed down. Colorado was playing for the win. They were they weren't really attacking. This is where Vancouver's uh, overall possession really took over too. Uh, there was I think there was in the whole game there was only five one five minute interval where uh, Colorado had the majority of possession. But they finally they got did get one back with ten minutes to go. It was Jordi Reyna? It was uh, sorry a foul that. By Felipe uh, earned um, kind of milked it a little bit, but it was definitely the the free kick was definitely earned uh, the the actual conversion. 
got it between the heads of uh, a couple of defenders, Kai Kamara being one of them, and hit right off the post. I, I mentioned in the match report, uh, it was like stone-footed Tim Howard. He didn't move at all. There was no movement from him. So it, it was a perfectly placed one there. Yeah, when you kiss the inside of the post like that, yeah. I you, I know there's it's score effect, but you're right. I, I remember when when I got the the uh, the stats at the end of the game or whatever, and it was like I was just like seventy to thirty. Yeah, like, this is like this is like like old old school white caps reverse. Reverse. Know? It was. Yeah. It, I I I kind of was telling Michael when we were talking on the phone. I go, this is a, re- a revenge of Robo Ball because it was essentially you got two of his former players. And then you, they're playing exactly the way Robbo would have played it. If but although Robbo, I think would have attacked more a little bit. Yeah. They, but they, these guys were just giving up the ball everywhere. Did, did you see the photo in the morning of Kai? Of Kai with, no, you didn't see. No, I missed that oh, too. Kai put, I've been busy this weekend. Uh, Kai put out a picture in the morning of him and Nico and Robbo. Oh, okay, <laughs> and very supportive. So there you go. It's very supportive of, of Robbo. There you go. Revenge of Robbo. Um, so, uh, do you think they deserved a point? Oh, uh, yeah, deserve. Well, yeah, deserved a point. Yes. Uh, I I I probably disagree with MDS on deserved all three. Yeah, I don't I don't I think based on how poor the start was, I think Colorado was value for the point. Well, funny you should say disagree with his comment on that because we're going to just play that right now. And the first question was how we felt about the game. I agree that we controlled the game after the two zero, um, but in the first twenty twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, we 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 didn't come in very well. Uh, we struggled. Uh, they tried to play a lot of balls in behind us. Um, defensively, we were, I feel a little bit sloppy in the first 20, 25 minutes. I don't know if it was the the effect of the, the three weeks without playing and now you're going in right away. Maybe uh, it wasn't good, but then then from there, it was total control from us. Uh, we could have scored. Um, more than one goal in the first half. Uh, we pushed in the second half. There was always a belief, great personality and character from the players to, to push and to try to get the win, uh, even when it was 2-0, just just going at it. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it's a, a point that could be seen in a positive way because you're down 2-0. Uh, but we feel we, we, we should have. Uh, from what we did today, I have the full three points. Um, coach, sorry. Hey. Coach, just following up on that, uh, don't often see a uh, kind of uh, right or left back for straight up substitution. What was the thought process there going with Sutter and taking Nerwinski out of the game? Oh, because we, we felt that we needed to have uh, our right back much higher on the field or our right wing back because what happened is if you looked at one of the dynamics um, when they were playing a lot of balls in behind. Uh, we felt there was a lack of uh, understanding maybe in that part between uh, Eric uh, Godoy and, and uh, Andy Rose. So then we pushed Johnny Reset to play in between them. So we went pra- practically with three in the back. And then we had our, our right wing back and our, right, uh, our left wing back being Ali very high on the field and bringing Jordi and Venuto closer to to Freddie, then when the team was pushing, uh, we just felt that those extra 30 minutes, 25 minutes, it would be good to have fresh legs in that right wing back position. And that's why we ask uh, Sutter to stay so high on the field. 
I just wanted to come back on the two goals you did concede. I mean, you, you said the defending was sloppy. I thought it was shambolic in some ways. And, and the concern I was wondering if you had on, on looking at the way that you didn't defend it, it, was a, it, does it make you have to go back and really emphasize to the team the importance of team defending? Because ball watching I saw on the first goal, sort of almost a letdown when the ball got through on the second goal. I mean, what are the things that you have to think about when you go back into and preparing for against Dallas away from home this Wednesday, looked very good today against Toronto SC from a point of view of getting the players to understand how important it is with the team defending, not just individual defending. Yeah, we, when you can, for sure those 25 minutes are going to be addressed. I don't think then it was a problem after, but for sure you have to address the first corner. Uh, it was, I don't know if there's a foul on John in the first zone, but it was sloppy, and we spoke so much all week. The two areas where Colorado would hurt us, uh, if they hurt us, is in a set, set place, uh, because they're a much taller team than us, um, and in counterattack situation. I think their, their second goal, uh, to give credit to Colorado, is a good counterattack. Uh, but of course, when you, when you have to address and assess and, and, and make changes like that, when there's a gold cup and two of your center backs that have been playing in a back three being Daniil and Derek are not there, then you have to make changes. And I think those first 20, 25 minutes uh, were difficult for us to adjust. Uh, and of course, it's going to be addressed. I agree that it wasn't good. We, we looked sloppy, taking bad decisions in the defensive organization. But then I have to to be positive in the reaction after that. Many teams home, down to nothing, heads down, no reaction. And us, it was the total opposite. We, we clearly went for it. Mark, um, at the start of the year, uh, first game of the season comes to mind, the game against Minnesota. You talked about how a lot of times players would just pick their head up and take the long ball over the top to Freddie Montero. We saw that repeatedly again today. It's kind of getting away from kind of the style that I thought you guys were trying to play coming into the season. Yeah. Was that by design or what, what, was, what no. ended up happening today? No, I think if you have to, if you look at, uh, at the amount of possession, you can have this amount of possession if you play many in the air for Freddie. Now, for sure, you have to to address the game and, and there's situations, there's a ball that was played over for Freddie uh, that he won kind of the duel with Abubakar in the first half and almost led to a goal. So sometimes when a, an opponent is so low and, and you have to vary your type of game. Uh, so I think today we, we tried to vary it in some, some areas, but of course these are type of balls that we wanna, we wanna avoid. Uh, avoid. That was Mark DeSantos uh, talking with the media about the game. Um, he, 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 you agreed with him there that when it started that they played much better after that 30-minute mark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I still would say I don't think they really deserved all three. I, it, it was interesting to hear Fudgy's um, use of the term shambolic. Yeah. <laughs> Describe the defending. 
Yeah. That was, uh, I, I was maybe being kind of kind. Yeah, no, he he was not being kind. Well, he's being honest. The way, yeah. That's the way oh, he no, feels, right? No, no, it's fair. It's fair. Um, okay, so uh, one of the questions that I didn't include in here was the one the last question when they asked uh, uh, when the Whitecaps play the Sporting Kansas City, will we see Ali Adnan in the lineup? And Mark DeSantos basically said, I'm not Harry Potter or Houdini where I can see into the future. I don't know if Houdini or Harry Potter can do that either. Uh, but... Speaking about Ali Adnan, let's get to the good, bad, and ugly. We'll start with the good first. Ali Adnan definitely made a big difference, especially, uh, like Mark Santos said, when they went to the three at the back and he, they were able to push him up forward. He he made a difference at that point because he, when he's starting off his runs near the box, it's not that effective. But when he's up of the field and he can start them from there, he, much more dangerous than he earned that p- penalty that, at the end of the first half. Yeah, I mean, 29-year-old Ali Adnan is irreplaceable. <laughs> You're going to keep saying that, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> is irreplaceable in this Whitecaps team, right? Like, uh, yeah, I think – did he get the man of the match? I, I, I On the post-game show on the radio, he did. They gave oh, it to okay. him. I'm not sure who they gave the who got the Stein. He, I mean, he continues to put in performances that uh, – are, if not the best on the team, then, you know, the top two or three every time. Yeah, he was their official man of the match yeah. as well. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, what more can you say? I, I mean, yeah, you, he won the penalty. Uh, his overall contribution, I think, was was huge. Yeah. I think I think one, one of the contributions he made uh, <laughs> that I heard a few people talk about was how happy they were that he just – he let uh, Jordy Rin take the free kick for, yeah. the, for the goal, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I yeah, easily the, the the brightest light for the Whitecaps. I thought the attack was also the attackers were pretty strong for the most part. Yeah, they had their moments where they they were they didn't it, w- it wasn't the great finishes or they had a lot of block shots too. I think nine block shots for the Rapids on the Whitecaps. Uh, but y- Jordi Reyna really I thought played well. Montero was good as well. But uh, I think Jordi Reyna really kind of didn't show very much rust. Maybe in the first few minutes, but afterwards he he was flying all over the place. Yeah, I mean, Jordi has these uh, Jordi has these abilities, right? And when you can score goals like that, you're always going to be able to contribute. the The thing that was interesting for me, I know they're obviously very limited in their squad selection right now. Yeah, very. Um, was how how because they kind of on paper they line it up as a four three three to start the game, and he's kind of out wide in the in the three at the front. Yeah. And I know that's not always his best position. And I know or I mean even saw in training they were doing a bunch of um him tucking inside so yeah. it was more like a four three one two. Yeah. Um and stuff. But he yeah, I mean I, I don't know if I would put him in that quite that good category, Steve. He was like for me he was on the fringe of the good. But there wasn't very many other options though, <laughs> if you think of it. But they, because there's not put, other they, options, it doesn't mean you <laughs> I'm not saying he was. I, I'm saying he was good. I, okay. I'll say he was good compared to some of the other players. Like Venuto, I, I really like. I was really hoping for more from him, and I didn't see it. I'm, I don't know what he's going to offer in Dallas out on less rest because we know in the past he hasn't done well when he's going on less rest. So we'll see. How about the fighting spirit? You know, going down two nil, being dominated, almost going down three nil. They kept their head in the game and they kept fighting back and. And got the one point, even though we wish they had, they had three. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest pro, uh, you know, pros of the match, and from from a Vancouver perspective, uh, is that yeah, they didn't, they you know, in, in, in obviously previous uh, seasons with Vancouver, there have been times where like literally they go down a goal, and you're like, okay, game, the game is virtually over, um, and you know, down two goals, they could have done that, right? They could have just said, okay, 
this one's over. Let's save some legs for Wednesday in Dallas, which obviously, obviously they're not going to – they can't fully do that as yeah. professional footballers, but they could have at least in, internally. Um, and But they didn't. And, yeah, they, they clawed back. They ended up getting a, a, a point, which is not I mean, not good enough, but at least is respectable. And, um, yeah, they – I agree with you. Fighting spirit. Good point. Uh, last one, I, and we mentioned it before, the, the possession stats, they, they dominated that 70 to 30. Um, and then the, their, even their passing was really was spot on. They, they really kind of dominated the passing stats as well, especially even in the final third. The heat map, J.J. Uh, Abrams, J.J. Uh, oh, Abrams, J.J. Adams tweeted out, it, it was far different from what they usually have. There were like there were spots, especially Ali Adnan uh, going up and down. He was really influential there. But th- those kind of things were were what what Emmett DS wants from this team. Yeah, I, I I mean, like I said before, there's score effect involved in that possession, obviously. Yeah. Right? Uh, but even if score effect, you wouldn't expect that much seventy no, to thirty no, for the white no. Whitecaps team. Uh, no, but uh, the other thing that you know MDS was questioned about there in the, the post game press conference, which I think is valid, is it, it continues and, it, and it's not something like this is not a one off or whatever. This has been multiple times this year where he's been asked after matches, "Hey, uh, we're seeing a lot of long balls forward to your central striker." Are you telling your players to do this, or is them is them just doing that? And th- there's at least two times I can remember where he's just like, "I am not telling them to do that. It's what they end up doing in the moment, or whatever, or out of habit, or whatever." And so that's something that still needs to be worked out. Yeah, and, and we're literally halfway through the season. That's something they need to press into a little bit more because it's 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 there's too much of a pattern to it. Oh, for sure. Um, and like we said, uh, we're going to get to the bad and ugly in a bit uh, right after this break. But So we decided to stop it here because we want to end on a positive note for this first half bit. So uh, when we come back, like I said, bad and ugly, uh, we'll be back right after this break. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Another night, well that's alright with me I can be anything that you want I could be anything that you want I could be anything that you want I could be anything that you want Welcome back, you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR FM Radio that was uh, the artist of the month, Sarah Jickling, uh, from her debut album in 2017, so, debut solo album, sorry, 2017, When I Get Better. Um, she's obviously the one that sings, uh, when she was with the OL, she sang a theme song for us. Um, so check her out. Uh, that's Sarah Jickling. And obviously, When I Get Better was her uh, solo uh, album debut. And the Whitecaps are looking to get better because now we talk about the bad stuff that happened to them in the last game. One thing that they hopefully, when they get better, they'll the return of Max Grippo, uh, Derek Cornelius, and Daniel Henry, because that was definitely 
visible that they, especially in that first 30 minutes, we keep talking about the first 30 minutes, but that was so visible that that, that was a big issue there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, a gaping a gaping hole in their back line, right? Like you have like the starting keeper, for sure one of the starting defenders, possibly two out of, you know, three starting defenders if you go with the back three. And, I mean, I know Crepo has not obviously started at the Gold Cup, but um, it's good to, I think, long-term for him to be there and be yeah, involved. So that part of the team. Hopefully he can one day uh, take over from Milan Borian when he retires uh, from international football. Uh, but I think Danielle Henry and Cor- Derek Cornelius have uh, made significant contributions, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I think, yeah. We're missing him. In the words the of, are missing In the, worm of, the words of Simon Fudge, the defending was shambolic yeah. on those two goals. And so, yeah, that was pretty bad. Now That, that could have even been ugly if you wanted yeah. to. Now, the, we talked about before about um, he earned the free kick yeah. through a kind of notorious way. Yeah. People, some people might want to say. So why would you say he's done nothing? Well, I'm just saying during the rest of the game, did he offer anything else in positive? Because in bomb, I thought was fine. Um, and, and like I said, the other players kind of, but the, Felipe really didn't show up too much. He, nobody really mentioned his name or anything like that. It was, it was very invisible on the pitch. Yep. No, I, I mean, I, 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 I still enjoy Felipe, uh, and I, I think he is an important part of the squad. I think Mark, most importantly, I think Mark DeSantos feels he's an important part of their squad and plays, uh, will play a key role for them in more than one kind of role uh, within their midfield, uh, within their midfield, midfield particularly. So I know he, he he didn't have a lot of supporters last year. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he had a, a lot more support at the beginning of this year, obviously after his expression of kind of uh, how things went last year for him, uh, both on and off the field. Um, but it seems like a lot of those detractors have uh, returned to their perspective of his on-field performance. I, I, Does he fit with the system? That's the, probably the biggest question. Like, is he a fit with what Mark DeSantos? Obviously, he has to play him right now because he's missing Russell Tiber. We didn't mention him, but Russell Tiber's missing as well. So, and Andy Rose might normally play in the midfield, and he's being forced to play in the back, you know, the, in the back line. So, yeah. it, it, the options are limited even in the midfield because of that. I, I, well, I think we've talked about how Felipe is better probably when he's given more license to go forward in a, in in his midfield role. And I think when he plays with Arise and and in Baum, I think he is given that kind of dual role, the kind of the eight role of both being defensively responsible and and adding to the attack. And he he did like it's hard not to say he won the he won the free kick that. That, that led to the equalizer, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, in this game, I would say you can't say he didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and, and then everybody else, and nobody was bad, but nobody was good either. Everybody was kind of middling, so you can't really put anything else. But one thing we'll talk about in the ugly category, um, that's another two points lost at home. They've lost a lot of, dropped a lot of points at home, whether through draws or losses. They, they've played 10 games at home. They've only had seven away. They've taken only 13 points out of those 10 games. That's that's more than half they've lost now at home. Only three wins in that. They've only taken also four points out of the road of a possible 21. So they really haven't gained that points back. So uh, right now everybody else is kind of, and we'll talk about this in a second, but is that good enough? 
I think though they have maybe I think they have six points on the road. Anyway, they may be six points. I'm but, not sure. But no, yeah, it's not enough. Uh, it's not enough at home. I agree with you. This this is one of the ugly things. And this I know everyone talks about. Oh, they're one point off a you know a playoff berth a spot or whatever. And you know, MLS is the kind of league where yeah you know if you go on a three game run, you can you easily climb the table. And and those things are true. But I think definitely right now they are where they belong. You know what I mean? Like dropping so many points at home, they don't deserve to be in a in a in a in a playoff spot. Even if they had a better road record like they've had in previous years. Yeah. They wouldn't really, I don't think, be super deserving of being of being higher up the table. And this is the thing, like I think as your home form goes, so goes your season. And so I I, I don't know, Steve, can you see them like running the table at home? No, because they they've because they, they haven't shown that they're able to control no. the game at home. So it all depends. It depends if they play like they did uh, against Colorado every week. Yes, I think they yeah, could, but run they're not going to play Colorado every exactly. Year. That's the difference. <laughs> so you, but you got to play who was in front of you, right? Um, let's before we get to the uh, uh, the their remaining games on the road because they have to make up those points. Um, it wasn't a great week for them in the rest of MLS because yeah. you got the Galaxy winning against Cincinnati. Uh, RSL got a road tie. Um, uh, FC Dallas destroyed Toronto. Uh, and then he, Portland uh, obliterated Houston at home in their second game. Yeah. And then you got Kansas City winning on the road today in Columbus. Yeah. So no help there either. So every Western team got some points. Uh, that At least one of them. They should look game. into the culture at Cincinnati. I think yeah, I think that there must be something about the culture yeah. they lost again. Yeah. Uh, and they lost uh, in the U.S. Open Cup to another uh, lower division team as well. Um, you got 10 games away on the road. Uh, I'll list them right here. Dallas, Seattle, LAFC, New England, Minnesota, Cincinnati, Portland, San Jose, Montreal, Ga- again, Galaxy. There's definitely points that are there. You know, you got Cincinnati, Montreal. You never know who's going to win there. They could always, San Jose, who knows how they're going to be by the end of the year. But can they make up the points that they've lost? That's the big question. I mean, at this point, you'd have to say no. Like, no, there's not possible. I, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. But... It all depends on what other people are making up too, because other teams are dropping points as well, and you never know. Like for example, Houston, who now is playing more games on the road than they were before. Look what they did against Portland. They, they you know, they shot the bed basically four nil, and uh, against a team that's kind of rebuilding too, because they had two new players in their attack and they've gelled so quickly. Fernandez and the new guy, I can't remember what's his name. Oh, I, Portland. Oh, the new guy, I can't um, remember, but he scored a goal too today, and he he's looking good as well. Two tough games coming up on the road this week with an, a depleted squad, as usual. What changes do you see for midweek? Do you think they can make changes, or do they just play the similar squad? Maybe Sutter goes in for a whiskey if they want to play that three at the back. Uh, do you think? I see, I see that as it. I don't think you're going to see like Jake start all three games this week. So I think that's one of the the natural changes that will happen. But where else do you, do you see any changes? Anywhere else, uh, you know, the bench there was very limited on the bench as well. Even RDS is not back yet. They're not going to put Bear and Baldissimo who came in there. It's uh, yeah, Loria, Loria, yeah. he scored a goal. Portland, and, yeah, uh, it, the, the Valeri, Loria, and Fernandez trio uh, attacking trio with uh, it, yeah, that's almost. gonna be dangerous. Um, but uh, going back to the Whitecaps, there has to be. You know, there's no lineup. If they, if they don't make changes against Dallas, I don't see them making changes against Seattle too. I think they're just going to roll with it and see who hopefully nobody gets hurt. It's it's hard. Where are they going to make those changes? 
Well, yeah. There's nobody on the bench sorry, right now. Oh, sorry. That, PC that, is another option that they you could yeah, but play I, with I, on I think you'll see PC in Dallas, and I think you'll see Sutter in Dallas. Yeah. I think for that's, sure. That's the minimum they can make at this point. Those are the only two subs they use in the game. Yeah, right? exactly. The only I, think two you, subs. I think you could see Theo Bear getting some time, uh, maybe only as a substitute. Yeah. Um, Baldissimo is in the squad, right? Baldino, but he's just coming back, back from, from injury, injury yeah. so I don't know how, how he, he looked. He looked uh, like in training. On, I was at training on Friday, and he, he like he looks good. Uh, I mean, he looks like he's up for it, kind of thing. Um, not that they're going to start, start him in Dallas, but um, yeah, you're right. Because of the because of people away, uh, there's not a lot of options. When when does Last Bangura get back? Oh, well, he's a, he's there for the whole the after tournament cup. Yeah, yeah, so oh, it's yeah. mid July or something like that. He's going to be back. Right, yeah. So you're right, actually, Steve. There might only be a couple changes in the in the midweek game. Well, let's uh, let's see what uh, MDS has to say about the depleted squad and his thoughts on what they can do going forward. Hey, Mark. Hey. Uh, just uh, looking ahead, uh, four games in a very short span for you. You already alluded to you know having guys away at the Gold Cup. Yeah. Uh, is it a concern for you how many games you're playing and how short your bench is going to be? No. No, because uh, I I only con- I only focus on the things I can control. I don't cry about the Gold Cup. I want Canada to go as far as they can. Um, I don't cry about last not being here. Uh, we have this is what we have, and now we focus on, or we cry about the guys that are not here, or we maximize the guys that are here, and we try to do our best with everybody that's here. So, uh, if I put concern too much concern on people that are not here. I love Rusty, I love Lass, uh, Daniil, Max, uh, Derek, but uh, they're not here, so I can't waste my energy with that. No tears. No tears. No coach, no cry. <laughs> um, but the big question is, is like, he thinks they can handle the three games in a week. I don't but, know if but, they can. But what's he going to say? He's, he's got to say, say He's going to say, JJ, actually, you know what? We're, <laughs> this is going to be shambolic, JJ. Like, he's not, he's not going to say that, right? No. Um, and, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to do the best they can with what they have. They 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 knew at least part of this going in, right? Uh, or the likelihood of, of, of part of this going in. And so... They're gonna they're gonna have to make do with what they have. Yeah, but I think they expected Karimi to be ready to go. No, that's, the, to, that's a big that's difference. true. So he, uh, he <laughs> there was lots of questions about about him yeah. around the training ground on Friday, because uh, he was just like on all the he was on some bikes, he was on some uh, not elliptical, but he was on some you know some equipment in the equipment room uh, doing. Not cardio, just cardio stuff, but you know muscle stuff as well. And yeah, they. I, you, you won't see him in June, that's for sure. Will you see him in July? That remains to, that remains to be seen. So quick predictions uh, for the matches. I see them at best getting a one point out of these two matches coming forward. I don't know where they'll get the point, whether it's in Dallas or in Seattle, but I could see that. That's the max I could see happening. That's you used to be the optimistic one out of us. Yeah, but I, like I said, it's only because of the depleted squad. That, so, uh, I have to say zero now. If you want to, it's up to you. <laughs> Um, I, I think you might have said zero, even if I said more points than one. No, I, I think. Oh no, I think we. I think one is a fair shout. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the thing I probably care about the most right now is is if, if they could win in Seattle, because I, I I know, I I know for some people they they only care about the you know making the playoffs or not and winning those kinds of things or whatever, but for me the Cascadia Cup is still something that's important, 
and something I personally value. And the Voyager's so, Cup. And the Voyager's Cup, yeah. which is coming up in July. Uh, and so I, if they, and, and then also just forget, in addition to the Cascadia Cup, just beating Seattle is it would be good. Yeah. There's great joy that comes from that. So it does. that's why Portland's my match of the year so far. Yeah, the home win. And so I'm hoping for three points against against Seattle. For but, sure. But I think you're probably your prediction is probably closer to what will actually happen. The the Whitecaps are now officially at the halfway point of the season. Record currently, like we said, four wins, seven draws, six defeats from the 17 matches, 19 points. See them like one point off the uh, off the playoff spot. With Portland and Kansas City coming up from the rear behind them, that's going to be tough to hold them off. But you got some teams from up at the top coming slightly down, so they're kind of right in the middle there. How crucial was that that loss against, uh, especially with the three games coming? How crucial was that loss going forward? That loss, the loss against Colorado. Oh, sorry, the, the draw. Drop, it, felt, drop. it felt like a loss. <laughs> felt like a loss there. But how, well, cru- no, I, how crucial was it to at least get? The, or you could say how crucial was it to drop the points, but how also crucial was it to not to lose and actually come back? Well, it was vital that they got at least a point out of that. To not lose was was important. Yeah, but I think had they had they somehow won that game, then you all they would be talking about is hey, we're in a playoff spot. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, hopefully this keeps them from getting complacent about that. Now, uh, obviously, transfer window is going to be opening up uh, next week. I don't know if it's June thirtieth or July first. I don't know what the exact date is, but oh, sometime a- MLS next week. is like Ju- is, I think it's July seventh or something. Yeah, and we'll talk about it more probably in next week's show uh, to go into more detail. But they have an indication that much is going to come in. They on the radio they he mentioned two players for sure. They're going to try to get in four players in the next two transfer. I think that he means more impact players. Four impact players, like TAM players or DP players, something like that. But how much confidence does it give you in going into the second half season if they are able to bring two competent impact players? I'm not even saying impact players to the level of where other teams are bringing them in, but impact into the where the Whitecaps could, could like well, be starters on this team. Well, Steve, I prefer not to get players from Montreal, but you know, if <laughs> I if, used impact there a lot. <laughs> no, um. In, in all seriousness, I, 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 this is a, a massive window for them. Yeah, they've had one window with a transfer kitty, you know, beyond their wildest dreams. They spent two point five million out of what thirteen million yeah. at least. Uh, so, so if 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 they don't spend considerably in this window and they don't get results after this window closes, uh, I think there's going to be. Uh, I think. I think people's perception of them will continue to be on the decline. Yeah. Which is which is where things have been at for a while. Uh new coach uh all the talk they were they were they were trying to sell to people last year about bringing in, you know, 3DPs and yeah. whatever. Which they have. No. But they're not superb DPs or well, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're, the, they're not true DP, what you and I would call a DP. Yeah, exactly. And so um they're yeah. Uh, Definitely not one of them for sure. Like, like, for, really like this is how I'd put it. They're not DPs that I, 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 I don't know this one hundred percent for sure at this point. But I'm pretty sure these are not. For example, these are not DPs that the owners are paying part of their salary out of themselves. Pockets, yes, this is being paid with GAM and TAM yeah. and whatever and yeah. league money. So technically, it's like they're not spending uh, any of their own money on this on on the squad. And therefore, you wonder again, where is the where is that money actually going that they made on Alfonso Davies that they said they were going to invest into the footballing side of things? But 
if they are able to bring a couple players in and they're obviously come back full strength after the Gold Cup, are you confident that they can make, not make necessarily make the playoffs, but be in contention for the playoffs? Uh, also, uh, the Voyager's Cup, be in contention for that, and obviously the Cascadia Cup. Do you, do you, if they're able to bring a couple of the people that can become instant starters on the team, maybe not right away, but instant, like where they're, by name value, they're, they're better than everybody else talent-wise, do you think that that could make a difference? And how confident are you in that? Well, I, I mean, first they have to answer the question over 40-year-old Ali Adnan and whether or not he's coming back. Like that's the thing that – that's that's the, the first question that has to be answered because if they're bringing in two players and one of them is to replace Ali Adnan, I think, I think you're in trouble. In terms of your question, Steve, will they be competitive? Will they be able to continue to kind of – at least be, you know, look, appear, for it to appear like they have a chance of making the playoffs. If you look at the table now, it shouldn't be too hard, it shouldn't be too hard to stay in that race, right? So I think there's every chance that adding impact players will enable them to do that. But the one thing we haven't yet talked about, Steve, is Vancouver is not the only club in the league looking to bring in impactful players, right? And so, including Montreal, including Montreal, most of all, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it, it, there's a bit of a balance there because, I mean, this is kind of going against their grain because they felt, I mean, the executives or, and or ownership felt they got burned doing this in the past. Jarju, Barry Robson. Yeah. They, so they kind of had a moratorium basically on bringing in uh, significant people in the middle of the season for the most yeah, part. But maybe not. I guess Kendall was kind of came in. The but the thing part. is that maybe not blame the transactions, maybe we blame the people that brought in those players. And, and, uh, Who are you thinking about? I don't know. I'm uh, not sure. <laughs> but, um, but uh, okay, the, we'll, we'll go good off that. But money wise, let's talk about this for a second because we were off last week. Um, and I'm not just really, I'm throwing this on you right now. Yeah. But, um, what were your thoughts about when the money came out about how everybody, much everybody was making? Was it, was it a little bit better for you because there wasn't that much money being wasted on the bench like last week? We last year when Michael would mention, have the number of the money that was being paid on the bench well, of the players. They still have. I mean, they still have. I mean, they still have money sitting on the bench. But, but they, you still can't, a, they still have a DP sitting on the bench. But you can't have everybody on the field. It wasn't as no, bad as no. And this DP is a young DP who is not being paid as much. Uh, though. Last year was always going to be tainted by the whole Breck Shea debacle. Yeah, exactly. the whole Breck Shea contract debacle. Yeah, it was always going to be. In my opinion, shit like marred by that. Yeah. So it's different. The, the thing again, another thing they have to answer for is I believe they publicly said we are going to move towards being in the top third of spending. Yeah. Steve, where were? Can you tell me? Do you remember where they were? Were they second last? I believe it was second yeah. last, Steve. Who was last? Cincinnati? No, it's, I can't Columbia? remember. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember. But it could be Colorado. And nope. you can't really, if it's Columbus, it's you can't believe it, blame him because they were like switching ownership at that point. Yeah, yeah. but but so again, the, the people I think are going to hold them accountable, and and ultimately the only way in how things are set up in sports in this community and this continent and whatever, the only way you're going to hold them accountable. Right is by not giving them your money. If you don't think they're doing well enough with the money they have, you don't give them more money. Yeah, and and that's and that's the that's the number. I've said this before on the show. That's the number one language they speak. If you don't think they're do, doing good things with the money they have, don't give them more because it's not like they're going to do any better. I could be wrong about that, but that's yeah, that's your opinion. Um, now, obviously, we talk about the Whitecaps. Not very much confidence that they'll make the playoffs. Two teams that are 
in a kind of a playoff knockout <laughs> stage are the Canadian Wens and Women's National Team. And we'll talk about them after the break. Hi, I'm Daniel Henry, and you are listening to AFTN. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. That was Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill. It's from the, um, I don't know if they have a soundtrack or not, but it's from the show Doom Patrol, uh, which is a DC property. Oh, right. Um, it's, uh, it's on, uh, it came on the Space Network because we don't get the DC uh, streaming service yet. But I watched, I watched the whole series. I finished it today. It's nuts. It's crazy, man. N- nuts it's good or bad? Nuts good. Yeah, oh. it's like wild. It's like I, some I, people are allergic. I'll, to nuts. I'll tell you. I'll tell you an example. Uh, I I wa- I watched the first episode. Um, watching it initially, I had the door open on my bedroom while watching it. All of a sudden, something came on, and my kid was outside, kind of running around doing stuff. Immediately when I saw that thing, and I'm not going to mention it on the air because we're not sure to mention this stuff, I immediately ran over and slammed the door shut because it was inappropriate completely. Oh, it's like M for mature? I, I, I would move it up a little bit more. <laughs> Maybe R or something like that. I'm not sure. Wait, is R ahead of M? I don't M- know. I thought sure. M is. I don't can't remember. I can't remember. Hey, hey so uh, you're wearing that nice shirt. Can we yeah. talk about superheroes for one sure, moment? Sure, if you want to. Yeah. Uh, so I... I um, I haven't watched many of the DC shows, yeah, the TV shows, mm-hmm. um, but I've I've started because I look okay. What should I watch and where should I start and all this kind of stuff? Yeah. So I was doing some research and looking at like places like all the timelines and whatever, and um, so I started with the Arrowverse. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. So, I, so I, I, I wouldn't bother with the Arrow as much. Uh, I, I I think the Flash, especially if you're watching with kids. Well, the, the Flash, Flash is, is part. No, this, oh, yeah, I didn't start watching with the kids. Yeah, they're still doing Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um. But okay, so I start watching, and then I realized as I'm watching, I was just like, "Have you watched any of Arrow?" Yeah, I watched all. Okay, so I start watching, and I was just like, "I think I've seen this before." It's called the Iron Fist. <laughs> no, Arrow is actually if you look if you look at the first couple of seasons, it's basically Batman stories. Oh, okay. It's all Batman, but it also stories. feels like the Iron Fist a little bit, a little bit, but more, yeah, kind of like rich young kid. Gone, yeah, but gone I think away. they they came first, but it, they, but yeah, Iron, oh, yeah, but Iron Fist did have that story in the comics initially. Yeah. So they believe in the comics, but yeah, I, I, I Arrow is essentially the first couple, first year or so, I was fine. Then I, there's more like watching the show while I'm doing other things. That's yeah. what the Arrow was for me. But the Flash well, is really good. I'm usually multitasking while I have yeah. it on. Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow, that's another show. It's a uh, PG-rated Doom Patrol. Because oh, okay. like, you're going, what the hell's going on here? Especially the last couple of years. So the, the, the one thing I don't like about DC is they haven't done a good enough job of bringing everything together like Marvel has. Yeah. But, um, don't expect it to happen. Either. No, no. Um, uh, Titans, the, uh, the Titan show, is that connected to anything? No. Okay. It's just, it's, uh, what kind of to do Doom Patrol? They had, they had a kind of a small spinoff where they introduced Doom Patrol in one of the episodes, but then they really didn't have that much of an effect. Okay. Uh, but let's get back to, like we said, Rebel Girl. Um, 
The women are playing there a very important game tomorrow. Is it tomorrow or t- tomorrow? Tomorrow, it, yeah, it's tomorrow. I, well, I mean, it, I guess Sweden. It's today, actually. It's today. Yeah, it's today it's there. Today. Oh yeah, no, it is. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, so this morning, uh, Monday morning, they will be playing that big game. By the time this podcast comes out, or you'll listen, you'll to know it, they know what the result is. But so we'll talk about it right now. Um, What's your general thoughts on the performance of the group stage? Did they deserve that loss to Netherlands? Or was it just one of those games where you had the European champion versus uh, num- the number five, number seven rated European champion defending against number five Canada? It was like one team was going to win, one team was going to lose, unless it was a draw. That's like sport in general. Yeah, yeah. whoever uh, scores the most goals <laughs> <yeah>. wins. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 unfortunately, I think Holland was worth the, worth the, worth the, three, worth points? the, worth the three points in that. Um there were a few things that were disappointing for me. Uh, I, like, I know a lot of people said that when Christine Sinclair got subbed off, Canada actually played better. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be true, but I don't think you should sub her. <laughs> no, uh, I think I, they, I think they might have been was saving her because maybe she because they they played her in the first couple of games. They didn't. They, they didn't give everything. her any rest. Yeah. yeah. So I I think that was a big mistake. Maybe they just saw her wearing down or whatever. But, but the the game was still on the line, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe had they but won they, they, the they, other the other side of the draw what is min- way easier. What minute was she uh, taken off? I think she scored around sixty and was taken off around sixty eight. Yeah, but the thing is, they needed two goals to score. Still uh, at that point, I but who, I, who I better to score two goals. I understand what you're saying, but I I I, I can see where they're coming from, and like you said, is it better for them because? They finished second in the group, and now they avoid Germany. Or no, so they avoid France in that second round. We, oh, Holland's playing France. No, I can't remember. I know I have to look that up now. No, because I'm completely confused. There. Because if they if they beat Sweden, they're playing Germany in the quarters. Yes, that's right. No, Canada, Canada. Yeah, yes, yeah. They're on the much harder side, from what I remember when I was looking at. The thing, other thing is, and this is going to sound. I, I, I know some people feel that. Uh, People speaking about the, the Canadian women's national team are some some come from it from a perspective of you can't say anything negative about them because they're like Canada's darlings or whatever. Uh, I know she's got qualities, but I there's something about uh, I'm going to screw up her name now. Leon, what's her name? What's Adrian Leon. Yeah, I, I, there's something that just I think she has. I think she's. I don't think she's like lacking in skill. Like I don't think she's useless on the pitch or anything. But there's something I just I I'm not a huge fan, and so that also I think added to my frustration because she was the one who was subbed on for Christine Sinclair in that in that Holland game. Um, but I, I I mean going uh, going into the Sweden match, we, uh, did you see any of the Sweden versus USA match? No, I didn't get to chance to watch. I that saw one. I saw part of that. I think it was two nil in the uh, two nil final. It was like it, so it was not a game where the U.S. could just kind of like show up, sing an anthem, and celebrate. Um, so it's going to be a it's going to be a, a significant uh, test for Canada. Yeah, the Dutch are, are playing actually Japan, right? Um, but I the Japan really I they're they're not the same team that won I no. think it was eight years <laughs> no. ago. So yeah, they won. It, I I, I kind of think that maybe a win would have probably put them in a better position because then oh. they play the winner of China and um, Italy, and they've played that's winnable. And they played Japan a, a few times recently, or. Maybe I'm just thinking at BC Place. Maybe it was a long time ago. But um, no, the other side of the draw is, is way easier. So uh, going into Sweden, you'll, you'll know what's happened as you listen to this. Uh, I just hope they get through. Uh, I hope that Sinclair scores more goals because she's now three away. 
and because uh, she scored, she you know she scored in that the the Dutch game, and um, yeah, I, I think they. I mean, they've also proven to be very, you know, not very, but fallible at the back, right? And so I think they, they, even some of their top players like Buchanan has you know had off plays, right? She's not, she hasn't been perfect, yeah. Uh, which maybe comes from a little bit of the fact that she doesn't start for her club team every every game. That's the issue, yeah. They, they, but she's a highly paid player to sit on the bench. Well, and <laughs> she, and of, she's on, you know, the European champions. champions yeah. Um, but so that's a little bit concerning. Uh, but I, I, I actually kind of like Buchanan against Sweden because I think she'll do well against against their size and against uh, their their strength. But it's gonna. I, I also did. Did you? Okay. What did you? I did. I. I. I want Jordan Hoytema to play. So I was happy she was playing. Yeah. But, but and she can play. She can contribute wide. But it, it's not her forte, right? It's not her best position. Yeah, for sure. Um. I. Okay. So let's go with Sweden now. They beat Chile. Uh, obviously, they beat Thailand. Although they gave up a goal to them. Um. That was a very emotional goal that they yes. gave up to them. Yeah. But then they lost to the U.S. two nil. It's a winnable game, but Canada needs to play better than they have been in the past in order to win that. We talked about it before. Let's let's hear from Kenneth Heinemoller, um, the the Canadian women's national team coach, and see what he had to say about the upcoming game against Sweden. Kenneth, just for you, I, I know that when you guys played Sweden at the Algarve Cup, you it was a really tight game. Do you kind of expect a similar approach uh, on Monday, and are you going to employ kind of similar tactics that you did in that game? I think definitely the game is going to unfold a little bit, a little bit similar. That these are, are two very good and very strong teams that are facing each other tomorrow. Um, it was a different time in Algarve because both Sweden and us were preparing for something different, where we are. Uh, but I expect them to have been, you know, improving just as much as we have. I think what I've seen is definitely an improved team, and looking at ourselves, the same thing. Uh, Tactic-wise, I don't know what Sweden is going to do, and I'm not going to say what we're going to do. But um, I know the players from Sweden, like they are very, very disciplined, um, tactically very strong. Uh, they don't they don't get off pitch much, um, and and can deliver whatever Peter wants them to do. Uh, so I expect a very tight match and 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 tactically a very interesting one. Uh, Andreas Umber from uh, TV4, Kenneth. Uh, you talked about the tactical game. Uh, sometimes we don't play five defenders, sometimes four defenders. And in this tournament, they have made a couple of changes from game to game with the players. Seven changes last game. Is that a problem for you? Do you know how they are going to play tomorrow? Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but what I think we are very good at is um, this team has worked on being the most adaptable team in the world. And, and more or less take the shape of water. So whatever structure, whatever kind of um, system uh, they are going to play, we, we are ready to adapt. Uh, and maybe even the other way around, making sure that, that we could stress some adaptation to, to the other team. Um, I think no matter what Peter is shown, that he has the, the same philosophy, no matter the structure, if it's a back five or back four, it's just a matter of finding. So where's the openings now? I think we find the openings and and where we want to you know approach the game and where we think we can have some final um, final attacks from. So uh, Kenneth there, Kenneth Hunter Muller, Shape of Water, good movie, won an Academy Award. Will Canada win the match tomorrow against Sweden? 
being the shape of water. <laughs> what I do you think? I thought you were going to do the what's your frequency, Kenneth? Oh, uh, you could do that too if you want. No, uh, the the game they're referencing, of course, the Algarve Cup was a goal this year. I was a third place match. Yeah, at the goal at the Algarve Cup, and Canada won six five in a shootout, in which Sinclair missed a penalty. <laughs> that'll be that that'll happen. be interesting to see if they that get that doesn't happen often either. No, no, uh, yeah, he he there he talked about how this is a different game. They're both sides are approaching it differently than they were in that tournament, and so I don't I don't know if you can put a lot of stock in that game and what happened, what took place that day. Um, I, 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 Steve, I could see this being, I, even though it's a different kind of game, I could see the same result or very similar result where it's like goal is draw, goes extra time kind of thing, or like a 1-1 one, one and they go to extra time. But uh, the, the great thing is um, an, our, I think our nation will be tuned in at 11, p, 11 a.m. Pacific tomorrow or today watching uh, the women battle – in the round of 16 of the of the World Cup. So uh, if they get past Sweden, they're going to have to uh, – that's a big if too. They're going to have to play Germany. Uh, big question is who you're going to cheer for. Huh. Uh, second question is um, G- uh, Germany hasn't looked great in the group stages either. Uh, I don't know if how many games you've caught of theirs, but it hasn't been dominating performances. But, but they're th- – so they're a little bit more vulnerable than normal, probably. But but what do you think about that matchup if it happens? Because well, that'll happen, I think, before our show comes on. This week. is not the the Germany of Birgit Prince, right? Like, yeah. This is a different Germany, and uh, they stumbled because what they won, like it, it was like a a German stumble. They stumbled. They won one nil. I think people were uh, disappointed. They won one nil. I think in the open their opening game. Um, and then they scored, it was only 2-0 against, I watched the Nigeria game on Saturday morning. Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah, again, they got a couple of goals, and then it seemed like they're like, okay, we're in the next round, let's get through this kind of thing. They're Germany, it, it doesn't matter, to men's or, or Do you women. think they'll wrap it up for the knockout uh, stages? Well, I just think Do you think they, they were just kind of in cruise control in the group? Well, a little bit, yeah. And mm. and even in that game, even in the round of 16 game against Nigeria, yeah. a little bit of, yeah, cruise control is a good way to put it. Uh, but they have like this will to win. Yeah. And so I, it's going to be a tough matchup for sure. Is, well, yeah. Whether it's Canada or Sweden, it's going to yeah. be, I think it's going to be a tough battle. Yeah. Um, the other, I'll, I'll be pulling for Canada. Yeah. The other game tomorrow is USA versus Spain. And we expect USA to, you know, celebrate through eight, nine goals. Uh, you don't hear me say this a lot, but Viva España. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to do talk about, uh, for the women's world cup is the VAR situation. I think it's gotten... I, I, I don't mind VAR. I've never minded VAR, but now it's kind of gotten over, like it's gone overboard. The the offside call today against Cameroon uh, where apparently here, the, the female player's heel was offside or something like that. It was just a heel. Uh, that's what I saw in the replay or whatever. Uh, that's that's not clear and obvious. That's, that's not reviewable at that point because you have, you have to take a ruler and put it on the screen or you, whatever you do the... Uh, the technology and you have the line going across in order to see. If you can't tell with the blind eye on the screen that the person's offside, you need that line. That should you, that shouldn't be reviewable. And then the other one was there was a penalty that had to be retaken. I think it was France possibly, where the player it was like a bang bang player where the, it was a it was a penalty kick. And as soon as she touched it, the other person left the second foot off the off the line or whatever. That's that was bang bang too. There, there was it was hard to see with the naked eye that. Somebody can, you know, that was definitely off the line. The second foot. Here's the so I, I, that's what I'm saying. 
I don't mind them using VAR, but it's got to be clear and obvious. And it's right now, they're not using that term uh, very effectively. But I think, Steve, you added the term naked eye. And that's the VAR has nothing to do with the naked eye. It has to, to do with that minute moment by a second. But it shouldn't. Millisecond that's by millisecond. That's what I'm saying. It but shouldn't. It, sh- it should be very clear and obvious. It should be where it's a person's a foot no, but, offside and somebody missed it. No, but it's that. No, but you're offside. If you're, if, if, if your toe's offside, you're offside. I'm just saying, see, that's what the rules say. Yeah, I know. I understand that, but I, I don't think it should be called that way. But then you gotta, you got to change other yeah, parts of the rule. But I, I agree with you that the VAR at the Women's World Cup has – it's changed the flow of the games. That's yeah. for sh- that's for sure. Um, it if it, it, it's being used a lot, most I would say mostly correctly. I know th- I know the TSN panel go on about it a bunch, um, especially the I I don't know what's the, I know I know all the players. Well, I forget the the host's name, but. Um, I, like every time, like a half ends, or like she's like, we're going to talk about VAR. The half yeah, no, and then today they had some kind of thing, uh, uh, like a, a the way a they dance? The, no, the way they do the um, the TV screen or whatever. They had a special TV screen, oh. uh, uh, you know, the performance or whatever you want to say. Like a, they basically rehearsed it or whatever. So oh. it was kind of a, you have to Google it in order. To but see I think I, I'm enjoying Claire Rusta, Diana Matheson, and Kaylin Kyle. I think Kate Burness is the host. I think that's her name. But she she's the only one that's on a football, right? Yeah, she's the only one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, it's it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of fun to see um, a broadcast with people who aren't British. <laughs> Is that terrible to say? No, it's nothing. Because in Canada, it feels like if you have an accent, you get to be on a, bro- a exactly. broadcast. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to just see, like, yeah, pe- yeah, people who don't have a British or or uh, yeah. Some type of accent. Another thing is, and 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 we mean uh, Michael brought it up with me when I was talking to him on the phone on I think it was Friday or Saturday, I can't remember. The uh, the uh, the game. This is where the whole um, it's it screws up the flow of the game. Oh, and yeah. this was this was this was completely stupid. Uh, Peru as uh, Scotland and who who did oh, Argentina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they obviously Scotland gave up three goals. Was a uh, but in the in the extra time, injury time. Sorry, they they did a VAR review. And they didn't add anything to the four minutes of added time, and then the, both teams are complaining because they both needed a win in order yeah. to advance, and that that that's was that's just bad officiating. I, I can't even believe that on bar bar at all. I'm sure Michael's really calm about that. No, he wasn't at all. Uh, so let's get let's get to the uh, uh, some soccer, international soccer, or international soccer, yeah, uh, regional soccer. What do you want to say? Uh, Concacaf Gold Cup uh, happening a little bit closer to home in North America, uh, like it is always in America. Um, the they allow people to host a game or day of CONCACAF, but it normally comes back there. Uh, yeah, Costa Rica won at home. That was nice for them. Yeah, good good job. They, but they haven't been very – oh, we'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, Canada going strong. Uh, three group games performances. They they obviously beat Martinique. Uh, they, 4-0, right? Yes, uh, 3-1 loss to Mexico. Was, they were kind of still in that game for mo- the most part. And today the 7-0 drubbing, uh, record-breaking performance. Uh, what are your thoughts going on? so far through this group stage? I, I think it's gone the way most people expected it to go. Wins against the non-Mexico team and Mexican team and, and a loss to Mexico. But did you expect this dominant of a performance against those two non-Mexican I, teams? I, I keep saying I, I, <laughs> Cuban, yeah. Cuban Martinique. Considering they lost to Martinique, what was it, like in, in Seattle or something? I can't remember why they lost yeah, them. Was that when Colin Miller was? Yeah, Colin Miller. Um, let, let's not, yeah. 
the the number of goals sure is maybe a little bit surprising, especially against Cuba. But uh, I think the dominance. No, I expected. I ex- I now expect Canada to dominate those kind of kind of teams. Like you want. Like here's the thing. I know some people. You know, you talk about you know in a tournament and you don't want to you know do too much too early and all that kind of stuff. Here's the here's part of the the, the truth of that of that game against Cuba. They have a home and away against Cuba in the Concacaf Nations in League of Nations in yeah. September. Yeah. The 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 psychological effect of this game will help them in those games. For sure. Especially um, in the way game too. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh I I yeah, I'm really happy so far. Uh they obviously well is Costa Rica play on Monday? They play tomorrow, I yeah, think. Yeah. They play on Monday. Yeah. So they don't. It's not confirmed as of this recording, but most likely they'll be playing Costa Rica in the. I don't know, man. I, like this is what I was going to ask you about. What, but we might as well talk about is now. Haiti? Haiti has like if you look at the game by game, because uh, Haiti has played the same opponents that Costa Rica has. They've kind of been in the same step. It's not that much of a difference. Like we talked about before, Haiti could surprise Costa Rica because they're not playing in Costa Rica now. They're playing in America. This could be a surprise, and we could end up seeing Canada versus. Haiti in the next round. There is this, that small chance. I didn't expect it at all. I expected Costa Rica to easily win, but they haven't been impressing that much. Do you remember the name uh, Kenold Versailles? No, I don't. Uh, he was a Haitian in the USL days. Of, oh, okay. Of the Whitecaps. Played, I think, center mid. Um, <clears throat> no, and the program in Haiti, in Haiti has come a long way since then. Uh, no, I, I, Los, Los Ticos are uh, expected to win this game. Right. Yeah, they are. It, it, it would be a bit surprising, maybe even shocking, for Haiti to um, top their group and play Canada in the next in the in the knockout round. But did you see Mexico beating Martinique only three two today? No, no so that's, that's what I'm saying. There, you never but, know what's going to happen. But Steve, Mexico still won. Yes, that's true. So I, I could, I could, I could see something like that. I could see, I could see Costa Rica winning three two or three one or whatever, yeah. and not being. Um, Sorry, it being a close match, but uh, Canada is most likely going to be playing Costa Rica, and that is going to be where the rubber meets the road for them in this tournament, right? Uh, can they get back to another semifinal and ideally go beyond? Well, they'll be playing Me- in this stupid setup of a tournament. They'll I be playing Mexico in the semifinal. Well, it would have been the, it would have been otherwise the U.S. It would have been one of the two. Still, it's stupid that you're yeah you're right, playing against the same about, group. Yeah, yeah. Um, but okay. So going back to Mexico game, uh, obviously Cuba game that was a drubbing. But the, the Mexican game, were you surprised by the setup at all, or do you think they should, you know the defensive setup the way they were set up, or do you, was that the correct decision? Because you kind of know you're going to play them again. If you make it to the semifinals, I think that's a key, and I'm uh, I'm fond of remembering the nineteen what was it fifty four World Cup? Yeah, nineteen fifty four World Cup. You remember that one? Yeah, fondly. Live? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Uh, but the nineteen fifty four World Cup in Switzerland, uh, Ger- the the big team at the time was was Hungary, and Germany played Hungary in the group stage, and they like I think they didn't. I think what they did was they didn't play their, their best players and stuff. And they got, like, drubbed, like, 8-2 or 8-3 or something like that. And then they met again in the final because that's how it should work. You shouldn't be able to play someone from your group until the final. Gold Cup, look into that. Um, and um, so they met in the final again, and Germany played all their top players. And they won. It's called the Miracle of Bern, if you're German. And they won because of a couple things. 
one, they they fouled French Puskas left, right, and center. Um, and I think he was injured, and that was, I think, the days before you could substitute a player. And two, it was a bit uh, rainy. And so at halftime, Adolf Dassler uh, famously uh, replaced all of the Germans' players' uh, studs with longer studs, and they won the game 3-2. Oh, wow. So um, all that to say is Canada has the opportunity to, you know, drop this game to Mexico knowing they're going to be playing them later. And I do think they learned a lot uh, from the, from this game because they switched, right? Yes. They switched formations. Yes. Did they – okay, help me remember now. They started with the three at the back? Or they went to the three at the back. They were they were like almost like five at the back, three at the back, whatever you want to call it. And then I'm not sure if I can't remember when they switched. Did they push Atiba up in this game? Yes, a little bit here and there. He would be pushed up, but he would he would always drop back too at the same time. So it was it was a very fluid thing where they were they were kind of I don't know keep them guessing, but when they were defending, it was definitely five at the back. They were they were had all all guys back. Uh, it was a fun game. It was a good game. Yeah, I had Smitty was over. Mrs. Smitty was over. Okay, it was good. That's good. Oh, let's talk about some of the individual performances, and let's talk about the two guys up front, uh, Jonathan David and uh, Lucas Cavallini. Five goals, uh, Jonathan David. I think he's got like seven and six or something like that. For Canada. Yeah, for Canada. And then um, overall, uh, five goals to lead the Gold Cup uh, so far. Uh, Lucas Cavallini's right there with four. They both had hat-tricks today. Apparently, I'm not sure, I'll double-check this, but it seemed like in the release that they said this is the first time any national team has had two guys with a goal, uh, hat-tricks in the same game. So I'll double check that. I think it might oh, be just Gold, Gold Cup. Cup. I don't know. It yeah. might be just Gold Cup, but first time this for is the, Canada for yeah. sure. That's the first oh, time. First time for, I think first hat trick ever for any player possibly. I don't think I don't think anybody's ever had a hat trick for Canada before in a competitive game. In a competitive game, um, also biggest win in a Gold Cup for any Canadian team. So a lot of things there, but uh, obviously those two attacking players have been fantastic. Any other players that kind of you know stand out to you? I thought Alfonso Davies, we talked about it before, you thought he was going to score goals. I, I thought he was going to set up goals. He's setting up a lot of goals yeah. right now. He's the main guy. Shout out there. Yeah. he. I know he took a lot of flack for the end of the Mexico game where he dropped to left back and then was, uh, you know, at, in the very least partly responsible for the goal and, and how he got beaten and then obviously deflected off of him in his attempt to block the, the shot uh, for the third goal. Um, but, no, I think it, this has been a good tournament for him so far. I, I know some people were disappointed that he's not banging them in left, right, and center. But um, you're right. He has made massive contributions to to the side, especially going forward. And if they can if they can uh, get past uh, Costa Rica, if they can get past Costa Rica, I, I, that, that that second game against Mexico, I'm really excited for. Yeah, that. the kind of because uh, they didn't show too much, and maybe they yeah. they'll see what they do this time. And they learned, I think, about exactly. So let's hear from uh, John Herdman um, after the game today against Cuba. What he thought about going forward. Um, uh, obviously, what's happened in the last few games, and then going forward. So uh, here's John Herdman after the Cuba game. Yeah, I think the the forwards were were hungry going into this game, and uh, you know I think with the the team there was a good energy there. You know we knew it was going to be a hot day, and uh, you know if we if we never brought that energy, I think Cuba could have got that little injection and and maybe made it tough for us. So I think there was just a clarity from all the players. I think Carvin and Johnny were. You know, I think they they were given some great opportunities from from some some very good player, and and all credit to the boys. Just proud of them being able to bring that focus uh, at this you know 
three games into the tournament, they took the step we needed. Coach Ashley Mahoney, the Charlotte Post, we touched yesterday on you know, the standpoint of the youth in this team. To have two guys who were born in 2000 and Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David really shining in this tournament with the way that they're kind of going back and forth at it for active leading goal scorers and Gold Cup for Canada. What does that say about the future and a lot of what uh, Henri touched on in terms of the pride of the crest? Yeah, I think it says a lot about those young men, those young men that can carry that expectation. I think that's the exciting thing. We've, we've got two guys that absolutely love playing for their country. They, uh, they're humble. Uh, they, you know, Alfonso's playing at left back tonight. There's no grumbling. He just gets on with the job and, and, and does a job. So I think that's, uh, that's the, the testament of the, the culture and, and the work they're putting in to each other. But I think it also says that you know our, our Canadian football system is starting to produce players and I think that's that's exciting uh, you know to see those youngsters coming through I mean not to mention you know Derek Cornelius who's you know quite young Marcus Godinho another young man Zachary Brawl uh, Kamal Miller coming in as a as a 19 year old today you know I said Liam Miller <laughs> another one you know I just said when I took over I believe in young players I, I always have believed in youth and, and when the time's right, they will give them opportunities. So, yeah, it was it was just cool to see them out there enjoying themselves. And if that's saying the future's bright, then I just hope we can keep this pipeline going. John Archbell with CONCACAF.com. Second clean sheet of this group stage. So how important is that going, going now into the knockout round to this quarterfinal? You have two clean sheets under, under your belt. Yeah, it was excellent. Um, you know, the, the team were... You know, focused on you know getting getting the result. There, there was a you know a little bit of of history that that we knew we were aiming to make today. That was that was a sort of a, a subplot in in the story for the mindset. So yeah, when you when you're pushing for for goals, it always leaves you a little bit exposed. So all credit to again that partnership which is starting to evolve, which is Daniel and. Uh, and Derek Cornelius and, and obviously Milan Boyan, who's a rock back there. But, you know, very impressed with Godinho today. I think he, he again showed he's growing in confidence. And, and obviously Ashton Morgan coming on at left back showed the quality he has. So, you know, I think it's uh, we're moving into the quarterfinals, uh, clean sheets, uh, lots of goals. And, you know, the, the, the team's tracking. So, you know, some big selection decisions to come, which is always tough as a coach. But... That's what we want as a, as a team. So that was John Herdman there uh, talking about uh, uh, his hopes for the going forward. And uh, like we said, we hope that they can make it. Uh, Costa Rica is going to be the big one if they get if they do face them, and most likely they will. I, th- um, I think Costa Rica is not the big, big one. I think it's Mexico. And it's no, no, I know. But Costa Rica is going to be the next big uh, challenge the next, for them. It's the next challenge. Yeah, because right now they – they played two teams, Martinique and Cuba, where they, their defense was perfect. Zero goals given up. Mexico, they gave up some goals. Uh, it was really a 2-1 game. They, that third goal, I don't know. I, I I thought they could have done better on that. But um, Well, but there was, was the it, play before the third goal where they should have – I forget who it was now. Uh, should have passed left instead of right. Was it Atiba? Because Atiba shouldn't no. have been in that back line. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> it was going forward. Yeah. Um, someone – Someone tweeted about it. I think I saw Peter Shad tweet about this. Yeah, uh, but but yeah. Atiba, it's, it's, uh, when today's game, they were even though today's game, they still had uh, like kind of uh, 
little breakdowns, but it was not as bad as what they saw against Martinique. Yeah. Martinique was the one where yeah. there was a big mistakes made. He's, to me, he's the most complete footballer in the team, even at his age. Yeah, uh, and I know it's good that they got him arrested I, I kn- too. Yeah, I know he's not a center back, but he he he's he can do a job for sure. So uh, we wish them good luck, uh, both teams, yes. to, uh, men, women tomorrow and the men. Uh, Allez les Rouges. I don't know when they're playing, Thursday or Friday or something like that. Well, they'll be there. Well, it'll be done by the time next week, so we'll talk about it then. Uh, we'll be back right after this break. This is Atiba Hutchinson, and you're listening to the AFTN Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show. That was uh, the Batman 89 theme music. Uh, it's a tw- 30th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, would have been Sunday uh, release date. So 30 years ago, Batman 89 featuring Michael Keaton as Batman and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. An iconic film. Yeah, it was fantastic. I think it was the... I think Superman obviously was... Uh, like in the 79, 80, early 80s. Christopher Reeves? Yeah. yeah. And then the, this was the next one because there wasn't, it wasn't like nowadays where there's a, a Superman hero movie every year. Um, everybody hated Michael Keaton as the about choice for Batman, I remember. He did too, right? He, he did, did too, yes. Yeah. There's two, yeah. And then everybody hated him as a choice, but when he, now everybody says he was the quintessential Batman. So yeah. interesting to see there. So we're, we're coming back. Um, obviously, we, like we said, Michael, Michael's still on assignment. Speaking of Michael's. Um, still on assignment. Uh, he did pass along a wavelength from 1997. It's uh, sp- a split single with Helen Love. Uh, we played the other uh, other side of this album. I think it was a single, or a basically record. Uh, Cardiff City Superstars, the foreign wavelength. Uh, this is called uh, Swansea City, and I believe the group is called teen anthems but i'm sure i'll be corrected on that soon (laughs) if i'm wrong uh so listen to this and we'll be right back with the rest
And that was the teen anthems with Swansea City. Yeah. Um, thanks for that, Michael. Uh, and uh, I'm sure all of Welsh football supporters will be grateful for that. Well, half of them. I guess, yeah. Well, uh, half of them. There's more than two teams in the I know. I understand that. But I'm talking about the, from the major right. teams, right? Um, it's now time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines. You're supposed to go to the website, check it out. They got everything, articles, links, all kinds of information on football the world over. It's run by the amazing Bill Curry. Uh, so if you haven't checked it out lately, make sure you go check it out. And Steve, what's been catching your eye on the site lately? Uh, a few things uh, we got here. Um, first of all, FIFA is doing a rethink. Um, Say what? Yeah, because apparently they ejected some people from one of the women's soccer games uh, because they had a T-shirt on uh, protesting that Iranian women weren't allowed into the stadiums in Iran. Um, and they decided that that was wrong. And it's actually, it's a social protest, not a political one. And they don't want political protests, right? Right. So they've, they, they, they have said they, they've reached out to those two fans. And uh, it was during the... Uh, Canada, New Zealand game that this, the slogans were um, uh, being related to also the enforcement of her jobs as well. So there was some kind of uh, protest there. So, uh, so they're going to give them like tickets to other games? Maybe, I guess so. That's what I'm assuming. So well, they haven't, they didn't clear that up. And then soon after that, uh, funny enough, Invitino <laughs> uh, came out and told Iran that they should let women into World Cup games. In November, uh, Infantino was in Tehran. We reported it at that time for the Asian Champions League final uh, where Iranian women were allowed to watch um, the the two claims, uh, the, the local Iraqi team, uh, sorry, Iranian team and playing a team from Japan. Uh, so they were allowed to that. Now, since then, it's kind of uh, Re- backtracked. Regressed, yeah. yeah, regressed. And they wrote, uh, he wrote to the Iranian soccer president, uh, Mehdi Ataj, that it was disappointing that during a June 6th game between Iran and Syria uh, that the gates were closed to female spectators and it would appear that the the, the the number of women that seeking to attend the match were detained by security forces for a number of hours. He wants the federation to do have like concrete steps to resolve this by June July 15th. So we'll see what happens there. I'm sure they, I'm sure they do great with the deadline. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they're great with deadlines. Trump's had no issues with Iran with deadlines. Um, I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, that, 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 this is not even. I don't even know how big of a big issue this is for them right now at this point. Um, another person that was detained for a while, uh, Michel Platini. Uh, he was detained by a French uh, police as they were probing into the 2022 World Cup vote corruption. Um, he was held for a number of hours as they were in questioned as they were investigating the, that uh, the 2022 World Cup vote. He basically said that he he felt betrayed by it, and he just told the truth. And he was released within, I would say, about if I recall, six seven hours. It was it was there for, um, but he, his feelings were hurt. Yeah, definitely. And he is currently seeing out the final months of a four year suspension that he was is currently serving over a two million dollar payment he received from Sepp Blatter. So well, I mean, what's two million dollars between friends? Exactly. Uh, next story here, we got a FIFA is making uh, a new rule. Uh, we talked about before where yeah. the women were getting. Well, we we never actually never mentioned that. Not only did the penalty get retaken, but the goalkeepers were showing red, yellow, yellow cards, cards as well. As, yeah. So they made a rule. They will the goalies will no longer be subjected to receive an automatic yellow for stepping off the line during a penalty shootout and tournament. 
Oh, I think it was even d- during no, the oh, it, so it during ju- the game. Just, oh, I thought I, I it just that ju- it, I, from what I understand, I could be oh. wrong, but from what I understand, it's only during a penalty shootout. Oh. Because otherwise, if a keeper does it twice, they're out. They're out of the game. Or yeah. if they have one from during, they have a yellow card from during the game. They do yes. it once. Yes, they're out, and then you have to. It, yeah, so they so realize. Yeah, it makes no sense to do that. Though. They didn't catch that uh, loophole. Yeah. Uh, beforehand, so they realized this the, could cause major problems. And so. the thing is, is the funniest thing I saw in this article was that uh, you know the the Italian referee, uh, the famous one, I can't remember his name, Pierluigi Colina. Like I knew you would. Uh, he essentially said in 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 the article. That the teams have known since March that this rule was changed, they should have gotten with it and not be complaining about it now. Like they should have been able to adapt to it now. I'm thinking a goalkeeper has been doing this all their life. How are they going to be able to figure this out within like three months? That's a big steep curve. How dare you question Pierre Luigi? <laughs> well, this time he's wrong. Usually he's pretty on, on the ball. Um, sorry, uh, closer to home in North America. Inter Milan is refuting reports claiming that Beckham is selling his MSL, MLS club shares. There was a rumor or actually a report from a journalist that said David Beckham is looking to sell his shares in the Inter Milan club. I think he's, it's co-owned by a couple other people. Um, the report claims that Beckham was never really interested in ownership and was always going to be looking to sell the club once, once it was established in MLS with the, with the stadium and everything like that and playing. Which which makes total sense if you're David Beckham and you pay $25 million for a club in MLS that they now sell, the franchise fee now goes for a minimum $150 million Yeah. That you get in for so cheap, you get it started. It was part of his It was part of his, part of his come, contract. To yeah. come into MLS, so, yeah. To, he could he could have made a truckload of money off of this. Yeah, so he's not like so, you say he paid twenty five million. He didn't really didn't pay twenty five million. He was, was part, given the shares. No, no, I think it was was it. I I always assumed it was part of his contract where he was just given the right. So it was kind of like a free uh, pass to him. That's what I we, thought. We, we got to ask maybe Grant Wall or someone. Yeah, about that because my understanding was if he's listening to the show, uh, yeah, Grant Wall right now. Grant Wall get in touch. My understanding with Steve was that he got the right. To get a franchise for only twenty five million. Oh, was that because it? Maybe that go- was it. Because been. they were going up, and yeah, they knew yeah. they were going to go up. But okay. he got like that, and that's why the fact that it hasn't happened. Some people have been like frustrated by it because yeah. obviously, by letting him have a team for that amount, they're losing out on significant revenue, si- yeah. significant money in their pyramid scheme. Yes. Um, another story, and uh, really close to home, Pacific FC, who unfortunately lost to FC Edmonton today, three one. You know who I don't like in the CPL? Oh. I think FC Edmonton. Oh, really? I think so. Was it because they, they snowed you out that one time? No, or? I love oh, that. Yeah. That was great. Okay, just they're part of the the the, the favorite three. Oh, gotcha. The the and there uh, there's probably some people who I'm involved with FC Edmonton. I'm not super huge of on their approach. Oh, okay, I'm sure people are shocked at that. And but um, no, I yeah. They've taken some points from from Pacific that I'm also not happy about. Uh, well, the the Pacific FC is building a, a five million dollar field house in Langford. That's going to be like an indoor facility. It's the largest in BC. It's fifty five thousand square feet, which I think would be a a field, a soccer field. Yeah. Maybe a, a smaller one, maybe a little bit bigger. I'm not sure. Uh, but they're also going to be able to divide that up as well, and and, and they're going to be renting out the 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 land is being leased. By Pacific Sea from Langford, they're building this facility on there, and they're able to rent out the facility itself to other teams like rugby teams, high school teams, all over like fo- American football teams. So they're going to be able to lease this out as well. 
Um, so it'll be interesting. That maybe this is a good revenue builder for them in order for them to yeah. spend more money on teams. One would think that this would, if not, have been actually a part of the deal to get to be able to play in the city of Lankford at the stadium there and the upgrades that came with that. Then, if not formally a part of it, then at least part of the discussions at that time. And uh, this is a, a positive step forward for – I think this is like the first CP club, that, CPL club that's, I think, doing something of, of this uh, – of this um, on this scale, and so it's a very positive sign, and I'm really excited, and obviously wish Pacific nothing but the best. Um, so that's BC Soccer Web headlines. Uh, Zach, any final thoughts for today's show? Uh, I'm, I miss Michael. <laughs> I miss Michael. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love hanging out with Steve. Yeah. No, oh, it's always good to have three people. Yeah, I can do something. Stuff. I can do stuff while you guys talk instead of yeah. like juggling stuff. Maybe it's the Trinitarian effect. Yes. that I appreciate. But no, yeah, three people is uh, a little more communal. If only Joe had committed. Joe Deasy he should have been here. I wish Joe. De- yeah, Joe Deasy was maybe going to come. That's yeah. too bad. Um, but 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 it was good hanging out. What did you learn today? Uh, I was thinking about that because uh, there's a few things I did learn. Um, I think the, the one I'll share is that I didn't realize it was so easy to hurt Michelle Platini's feelings. Oh, really? I learned that Kenneth Hunter Muller uh, w- uh, wants his team to play like the shape of water. That's a good one. He's either a Bruce Lee fan because that's kind of a Bruce Lee thing where they, they, he wants to be, uh, you're supposed to be water and flowing around when you're fighting or he likes movies. So it's interesting to see. Or both. Yeah. So uh, that is another episode for uh, uh, their, the soccer show, the AFT and soccer show. Um, Zach, where can everybody find you at? Uh, you can find me uh, on the Twitterverse. It's at Zachary AM, and I'm a part of the Movement Curve Collective. You can find me at Whitecaps Beat. Um, you can find Michael at AFTN Canada, and you can find all the articles, uh, AFTN.ca. Yeah. But I think that's it for us this week. Uh, we're hoping that we'll be back to a threesome next week. Uh, but in the meantime, and in between time, that's another episode of There's Still Time. Join us next week and have a good night. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. E.F.